Well, hello, hello, hello. I hope you're well. I hope you're ready. Uh, I have to say that during this lockdown, with an awful lot that's happening around the world, which I'm not going to speak about, I have almost fallen in love again with the living Jesus, with the power that rests in his blood, with the brokenness of the body and for me right now I think one of the one of the most significant things is understanding that there is a power in our brokenness there is a power in us being broken that we can like Christ was be given to the world and in doing so we are changed from the inside out but that in taking the body and i'm just recapping the last few weeks but in taking the body and the blood into us again in receiving his body receiving his blood there is something truly significant that takes place because in that moment christ is transforming me into himself we talk about being Christ-like, but the pinnacle for me of that is in the communion, is in the Eucharist. Because we looked at the passage of, of, of Scripture in the Gospel of John for a couple of weeks, I didn't want to keep going over the same things because the videos are here on, on social media, the podcast is there, you can go back and listen to it. But I wanted to really get to press on to the next phase of what we're going through in in coming to a real revelation of what it means to have life in Christ not something we just speak about but to be truly experiencing the living of the life in Christ so I hope you'll take the time to go back through the last few weeks and catch up if you've missed it from the get-go i want to make one point clear when i am speaking of revival i am not talking about the thing that we in the church call revival these meetings where we see the sinners get saved and the 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 holy spirit moves and we see all manner of of, of different things taking place and and all of that refreshing renewal outpouring whatever you want to call it what I am talking about is a revival that takes place in the heart of us as a believer. The church needs a revival. Now, when I talk about the church, I am talking about the body of the church. And the body of the church is you and I as believers. So we are the ones that need a revival. We are the ones that need to have something changed, like we've looked at the Eucharist, something changed on the inside of us, so that everything changes on the outside of us. Now, David prayed what I have preached for many years to be the only prayer for revival that I can discover in the Scripture. You'll find it in Psalm 51.10. He said, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me create in me O Lord a clean heart 
renew a right spirit within me. That, friends, family, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you want me to call you, that right there is a revival because it takes place in the heart of the individual. It takes place in the heart of the believer. And that is where revival begins. It does not begin in a church service with the outpouring or a tent crusade with the healing miracles or any of that. That is the byproduct of our personal devotion. That is the byproduct of our individual relationship with Christ reflected in the corporate gathering of the church. But if we as the church being individual are not awakened, are not renewed, are not alive to God, then for all intents and purposes, what goes on in the heart of, of us as an individual, what goes on in our hearts is no different to what goes on in the heart of a sinner, of, of the lost, of someone that doesn't know Christ. When we get to a position where we allow our hearts to go cold, we allow our spirit life, our prayer life to dwindle, then we are almost separating ourselves from God, from the person of, of Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we are doing it deliberately because of this necessity that we have to withdraw from him because we can't get our own way, because we can't do things, or God isn't doing the things that we believe God should be doing. When I talk about revival, I'm not talking about mass gatherings. I'm not talking about mass outpourings. I'm talking about what is the condition of your heart as you kneel before him every day in prayer. What is the condition of my heart? If you look at the life of David, seen as we've quoted him, Psalm 51.10, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. You have to understand, David prays this prayer after what theologians and Bible scholars call one of his two great sins. He's just committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, her husband. And now the child born out of adultery is going to die. That's all there in the, in the scripture. You can find it. David repents before God. David gets before God and pours his heart out. And out of that comes this, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Now, the one thing I give David over, over almost everybody that you read of in the scripture is that when David knew, knew he needed to repent, he was swift to repent. But you never see David committing the same sin again. It wasn't habitual, serialistic. If David repented, he literally picked his life up, turned it around and walked in the other direction from the sin he committed. Because that's what repentance means, to literally pick yourself up, turn yourself around, walk in the other direction. I believe that the church, the body, not the buildings, the body of believers, has entered into what I'm going to call a great sin. Bear this in mind. This is my interpretation of what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm sensing in my spirit, what other leaders are talking to me about. But I believe that we have entered into a great sin. 
And you may ask now, Bishop Dekai, when you say we've entered into a great sin, what is the great sin that we've entered into? The great sin that we have entered into, from my perspective, is that the voice of the church is silent concerning the things of God. Yet, the voice of the believers is extremely vocal concerning the things of men. The voice of the church is silent concerning the things of God. But the voice of the believers is very vocal concerning the things of men. I'm not going to address the topic. I'm not going to get into it. But if you've been watching the news over the last 14 days, you will see what I mean. Church leaders have been exceptionally vocal concerning the things and the issues of men. But we have not, now I include myself in that because I always do, I'm part of the church, so I must include myself. We have not been vocal concerning the things of God in this matter that we're dealing with now or in other matters. We are quick to jump on, let's say, political bandwagons. We're quick to jump on emotional bandwagons. We're quick to jump on civil rights bandwagons. But we are not... We are not quick to proclaim the word of God. We are not quick to call for the peace of God in our church, in our society. We have been, as the church, silent when governments shut us down. And we have been silent about when we would reopen. We have lived in fear concerning a virus and what would happen if we opened our doors and I've seen that around the world but I have also watched church leaders break the law to go protest because of what's happened now I I'll tell you this now I think what happened is horrendous don't agree with it at all but neither do I agree with the fact we broke the law neither do I agree with the fact that we will stand up for a civil rights movement and we should because we should do what is right in the eyes of God but we will not stand up for Christ we will not raise our voice for the body of the church to proclaim the love of God and I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen whether you agree with me or you disagree with me because of that to me the church is in great sin we have lost the focus of who it is that makes us who we are and we are no longer pushing the principles of God to his people for them to understand. We are now pushing agendas and the two are diametrically opposed. I believe with all of my heart if there is one thing the last 14 days has shown us in fact, let me, let, me, let me broaden that. There is one thing that the, the last three months has shown us. It is that the church has fallen from God's anointed position that we were called to, that we were appointed to, and we have taken a back seat whilst others have steamrolled over what we are, who we are, and we are silent 
I wish to God that there are preachers that would stand up and proclaim the gospel with the same vigor and the same passion that they protested a horrendous act that led to the death of another human being. I wish they had the testicular fortitude, as I would say, trying to be polite, to stand up and be counted for God in the same way in which I've seen them stand up and be counted for another man. We need a revival, not in our body, not, not, not in our, uh, at the body of the church, not in our buildings, not in our tent crusades, none of it. We need a revival right here in the middle of our chest, in the heart of men that turns these hearts back to God. And until we get on our knees and repent and deal with what is a condition of the heart, we will never see an awakening or an outpouring and we will be another generation that misses the second coming of Christ. The power of the believers, the power of the church to cause the coming of Christ has been in our hands for two millennia and we will not humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways as the scripture says. We will not submit ourselves. We will not, as the Bible says, humble thyself unto the mighty hand of God. We have lost our sight, lost our focus, and to me, we lost our passion. We have lost our passion to be broken and to be given to the world as Christ was broken and Christ was given. And because of it, we now live in a generation where we, we participate in, to, uh, in my opinion, and I'm going to stop saying that because I think by now you know this is my opinion, we now participate in a powerless body of Christ. We're so self-insular and self-focused on the latest prophecy and who's the, ne who's the, the, the current preacher of the hour and what's the feel-good message that's going to make me make my life complete. When the simple way to find completeness is to allow Christ into this heart and break you. And in your brokenness, you'll find strength, you'll find peace, you'll find boldness, you will find Christ. And you will find the power not only to live life, but to do all the things that he said we would do, uh, that he did, and greater, meaning in more abundance, as he told us to go and do. Why do we need a revival? Because the church, you, me, this heart, your heart, needs to see the power of God again. In fact, I would go so far to say that there's an awful lot of believers I think have never experienced the power of God because the condition of the heart shows me they don't. Now, none of that was in my notes. Praise God. Let me say this. Let me say this. Whilst I'm on the topic, I, I'm, I'm tired. I am so tired of hearing preachers tell me and, and say other things like, we need a revival. I've chosen the word revival because it's the only way I can uh, express what I'm trying to say. But do you know revival, the term revival, the, the phraseology of revival, the meaning of revival, never once appears in Scripture. You will not find one verse 
Unless it's one of these modern translations with a modern vernacular, you will not find one verse in every translation right up to the King James, including the, the original languages, that mentions revival. Never happens in Scripture. It's not there. But the word revived is, and the word revived applies only to the believer. If I am dead to myself, dead in my sin, how can I be revived? Because the word revived literally means this. It means to refresh or re-energize something which once lived and is now dead. When I talk about we as a church need a revival, it's because we are dead to Christ. Jesus said in John 6, and I preached about it the last two weeks, if you don't take the body and blood into you, you have no life in you. We receive the body and in our complacency, in our, in our apathy, we have literally taken the body out of us. We've taken the life of Christ out of the church because we're so focused on what have I got to do to make me feel good. The quickest route to acceptance is conformity to the crowd. I don't want to be one of the crowd. I never have been, never wanted to be one of the crowd. I refuse to be one of the crowd. I do my best to stand out at all times and in all ways. I used to wear the most ridiculous colored clothes simply because somebody told me once I wasn't supposed to. Now, you don't want to tell me I shouldn't do something because nine times out of ten, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, I'm going to do exactly the thing you tell me I can't do. So when this world now tells me that I shouldn't be upset because I can't go to church, that I should just accept the way things are, that I need to take a back seat, that Jesus Christ is no longer relevant, that we've moved on, that as I'm here preaching, preachers say from the pulpit, the times have changed. Let me tell you this, friend. I don't care how much you think the times have changed. The Word of God has never changed. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is, uh, it, the Word of God is what it is, is what it was, and is what it will be. If it says sin is a sin, I don't care how much your thinking evolves. I don't care how much you think you're radical. Sin is still sin. And the last time I checked, the wages of sin were still death. Newsflash. I am sick to my back teeth of a church that puts Christ, as Minister Joshua says, on the back burner. We pull him out when we're in a crisis. We pull him out when we're in need. And when things are going well, it's take a seat, Jesus. Sit in the back of the car. Stay quiet. The simple fact of the matter is, I'm all right, Jack. Guess what? That's your attitude. You're who I'm talking to. I will never accept a body. I will never accept a church where Christ is not the head and the center of the attention. I'm not trying to build an empire. I am trying with all of my might to do kingdom work to see the kingdom established. And if we want to solve problems like the world is going through at the moment, if we want to solve problems like society is having to deal with that has never been resolved, we have to stop looking through the eyes of separation and start looking through the eyes of God that sees one race of people 
and we have to come back together in the issue of heart where we find harmony. Just a few days ago, I tweeted about people keep telling me we have to find balance. Nature in its own self rejects balance. The very nature of, of this world, the very earth we live in rejects balance, but it constantly seeks to find harmony. And the reason we as a church must reject balance and look for harmony is because when you find balance, the scales can always be tipped in one direction. Solving the issue that the world is going through right now, not the pandemic, the other issue that we're, we're talking about, is not an issue of finding balance. It is about you and me coming together irrespective of ethnicity in harmony, in unity before God and standing as one voice. And because we're not, we need a revival. We need God to work on the inside of each one of us. We need a change of heart. Like David said, create in me, O God, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I have deliberately stayed quiet. Deliberately. Through the pandemic, through the race issues, I have deliberately stayed quiet. Because I'm trying with everything in me not to let myself get in the way of what God might say. But we live in a generation, live in an age where nobody cares about that anymore. Where people are not worried about what they say. They're not concerned about what they say. All they're concerned about is, am I being heard? Am I saying the right thing to build a crowd? We need a revival. We need God to work in our heart. Because if God doesn't, if the Holy Spirit doesn't work in our heart, if our heart is not revived, this heart of mine will die. I may live another 50 years, but the heart that once burned for God will be dead in my chest. Every day that I move away from Christ, every day that I, I, I put Him on the back burner, Every day that I don't live with him as the full focus, the reason for what I do, my heart dies a little more. I know what it's like for your heart to stop beating in your chest. Been there, had that experience, don't ever want to go through it again. But I would hate to live life and have stopped living long before I die. You know, the Bible says in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, it says, for out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And I hear the sound of a dead heart because it's in the words, the body of Christ speak. It's in the sound that we utter the clarion call of the gospel has disappeared from the land. The cries of the church are silent because we've turned our hearts away from God. We have turned, we have turned our hearts away from God. We would rather take on the issues of men 
we would rather vocalize the issues of men and hold the world to account in light of the scripture. I'm not talking about chastising the unbeliever, ridiculing, mocking, condemning the unbeliever because they don't live to the same standard, to the same principles, to the same account that we as believers do. I'm talking about turning your heart back to God by dealing with the person looking at you in the mirror. Ezekiel said, all deeds are right in the sight of the doer, but the Lord weighs the heart. So what is the weight of your heart? When somebody is either unconscious or has ceased to live, for some reason, because there's no muscle, uh, I was going to say muscular then, because there's no muscle reaction, because there's no assistance from the human body, to carry somebody in that state, we call them a dead weight. So if God is to weigh your heart today, does he feel the dead weight of a heart lost to him? Or does he feel the light, joyous heart of a believer so on fire, so passionate, so sold out to him that it's almost like lifting a feather? Go back to Psalms. David talked about, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Sorry, I correct myself. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I can remember when I got saved, I, everybody thought I was cuckoo. I was nuts because you give God thanks for everything. You're just so ecstatic. You're so in love with him. You're so... And over, over the years, the church, the ecclesiastical body, the ecclesiastical system beats that out of you, hammers you down. And it takes a daily determination not to lose the joy of your salvation, to stay in that place of love and pursuit of God, of intimacy in relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's a daily decision, but that's the decision that keeps the heart alive. That's the decision that keeps us in a perpetual state of revival. That every morning when you wake up, God is reviving your heart, but the flame never goes out. It's easier to build a fire from an ember than it is to start a fire afresh. So what's the Holy Spirit having to do in your life, in my life, in all our lives? I truly believe that the church has a corrupt heart. And because of that, we have corrupted the heart of the church. In our selfishness, in our human nature, in our our necessity for feel-good messages that that bolster and build the self but don't focus on Christ because of the corruption of the human heart we have corrupted the heart of the church there's a scripture that says as far as the heart goes after the de their detestable things and their abominations I will bring their deeds upon them. I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, says the Lord. What deeds 
is God going to bring on us because we refuse to revive our heart? Because we will not humble ourselves as David did unto the mighty hand of God and ask him in all of my mess, in all of my junk, create in me, O Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Take not your spirit away from me. Our revival, our daily revival, must be a perpetual, persistent condition of our heart. And if it's not, we will swiftly and easily sweep back into the mess that we now find ourselves in. We must put Christ back, not on the cross, but at the center of the church. We must put God back at the head, steering the ship. And we must come to him daily to say, God, revive my heart. I believe, friends, the hand of God is outstretched to the church. And all we need to do is reach out and take it. God is looking to revive his church. But we have to be the ones that seek the revival. God is looking to revive his church, his body. Not fill the buildings with awakenings and outpourings, but to truly revive his church, to bring back to life that something that had life and is now dead. But we, you, me, all of us, we must be the ones that seek the reviving. Let us not waste a moment longer.